Hi, everyone. Good evening. Good to see you. Um, I'm excited to see you here this week, especially those that come on Tuesdays. It's so exciting to see you another time during the week. So very happy to have you all here. Tonight, I want to start out by discussing a very curious Gemara. I don't know about you. I'll take the blame. Occasionally, I used to space out a little bit in school, not for long periods of time, but there was definitely the moments of wandering daydreams. And occasionally, I would be so bored that I would actually read the random parts of my textbook. So you read the yeah, you read when where it was produced, you read when it was produced, you start wondering if the information in your science textbook is from 1970, if it's still relevant. And all these things, you just start wondering when you look around the classroom, you look around your textbooks. But what's interesting is if you were to look at any of Sifrei Kodesh, especially a Tanakh or a Gemara, the information that you would absorb from reading the cover or reading those first few introductory pages would not simply be mindless daydreaming. Often the psukim and quotes that are used in the introductions or on the covers of Sifrei Kodesh are extremely meaningful and relevant to the topic of the Sefer. An example of this is what appears on the cover of some Gemaras. And the Gemara in Masachat Shabbos actually delves into this Pasuk that appears on the covers of certain volumes of Gemaras. So the Gemara in Masachat Shabbos says, Amar Rishlakish, Rishlakish says, My dichtiv, why does it say, My husband said to me, can, do you mind grabbing that Gemara from the shelf? I picked it up and he, when we were discussing the ideas for this year, he said, look at what's written on the cover. And it is this Pasuk from Yeshaya, where it says, What does this mean? The Gemara proceeds to tell us and break down each word separately. Emunat is Seder Zrayim. The Gemara is going to tell us that each one of the words of the Pasuk corresponds to one of the Shisha, Shisha Sidre Mishnah. Itacha ze Seder Moed, because it talks about time. Chosen ze Seder Nashim. Yeshu'o ze Seder Nizikin. Chachma ze Seder Kadshim. Vida'a ze Seder Taharot. So what's relevant to us today is we're going to focus into the first piece of the Pasuk, Emunat, is Ze Seder Zrayim. The Gemara then continues, V'afilu hachi yuras Hashem hi otzrao. Amar Rava, adam ladin. They bring up a famous idea that when one gets up to Shamayim after 120 years, please God, Omrim lo, nasata v'natata be'emunah. Did you delve into, did you deal with your emuna? Kavata itim la Torah. Did you designate time for Torah learning? Asakta beperia verivia. Did you engage in procreation? Sipita le Yeshua. Did you yearn for the salvation? Pilpalta bechachma. Did you think about and really think over different wise ideas? Havanta davar mitoch davar. Did you understand one thing from another? 
And even so, Yiras Hashem is our treasure trove in Elo Lo. If you have not held Yiras Hashem, then the rest of these things disappear. It brings in a mashal about a, oh, where is, hold on one second. Okay, we're good. I'm not going to share my screen because that's going to distract me, but we're good to go. Okay. So the point of this Gemara is it is dissecting the Pasuk that appears on the cover of the Gemara. There are six words in the Pasuk and breaks it down. It says that Emunat corresponds to Seder Zrayim. Seder Zrayim is the um, Seder of Mishnah that deals with everything related to planting and growing. And that, for some reason, corresponds to Emunah. Again, when we get up to Shemayim, we are going to be asked six questions. And the question, Nasata v'natata that is the one that appears first. And that is also meant to correspond if the first of the Sidarim is Ra'im. That corresponds to Emunat in the Pasuk in Yeshaya. So to this corresponds to the question that we will be asked when we arrive in Shemayim, and that is, Nasata Have you worked through and contemplated your Emunah? So why is that? Of all things that we could correspond to emuna, to belief and faith in God, which we think of as primary to our existence as Jewish people, why is that corresponding to Zrayim, planting, something that is seemingly so mundane, something that's not very exciting, Planting, farmers, okay, these are not seen as our theologians, not the people from whom we would learn emuna. But the Gemara correlates Seder Zra'im to emuna. And tonight, I want to delve into Shemitah, which is our theme of this series. The Shemitah year is this year. And for those who live in Eretz Israel, the fact that it is the Shemitah year has permeated every aspect of their life. They go to the grocery store, they have to think about Shemitah. They come home, they want to eat an apple, they have to think about Shemitah. They want to peel something, they want to prepare something. Next year, it'll impact us a little bit more in America when it comes to canned goods. But even this year, if we love buying those Jaffa oranges, we're going to need to think about where they came from. But on a gener- in a general sense, the mitzvah of Shemitah, of letting the land rest in the seventh year, which we will look into the sources in a minute. The mitzvah of Shemitah is one of the mitzvot hatsuyot ha'aretz, the mitzvot that is reliant upon being in Eretz Yisrael, and therefore it is affecting the Jews in Eretz Yisrael far greater than it is affecting us here in America. But what I want to delve into, and what Rabbi Brand will be delving into in two weeks, is lessons from Shemitah, that can impact our lives, even if we are not living with the day-to-day impacts of Shemitah. So to begin to understand our question, I want to look into where, what is Shemitah? What, does the, what do the Pesukim say about Shemitah? Where do we learn about Shemitah? So we first hear about Shemitah, the mitzvah of letting the land rest in Sefer Shemot. It says, For six years you should plant and you should 
cultivate your land. You should gather in it the harvest. For six years, you should gather in the fields, but on the seventh year, you should let it rest. All of the needy, anyone who doesn't have, should come and eat from it. All of the animals can come eat from your field. And you should do the same if you have a vineyard or if you have an olive grove. Any field, any land that you have in Eretz Yisrael must lay completely fallow in the seventh year, which means you can plant and harvest and everything in the sixth year. You can plant again, but knowing that you will not be able to work the land at all during the seventh year, you will not be able to harvest during the seventh year. Your land will be completely free and open to the poor, to the needy, to anyone to come and take from your field. We then have a much larger explanation of Shemitah in Sefer Vayikra and Parsha Behar. What's very interesting is most, most of the Parshio in Vayikra focus on many different topics. Parsha Behar almost exclusively focuses on Shemitah and Yovel, which is very unusual for any of the Parshio in Vayikra, which usually jump around to various different topics. So when we arrive in Vayikra Park Chav Hei, we specifically are told that Moshe speaks at Harsinai. And famously, Rashi asks here, which has become sort of a colloquial phrase, what is the big deal that we have to mention that we learned about Shemitah at Harsinai? And Rashi answers here that just that in the same way we are about to learn all of the details of the mitzvot of Shemitah here in Parsha Behar, and we are specifically told that it was taught at Har Sinai. So too, Moshe Rabbeinu received all of the details of all of the mitzvot in the same way at Har Sinai. So, separate point, but that has become a very typically used phrase to say, like, what does one thing have to do with another? Ma inyan Shemitah yitzel Har Sinai. Dibaral b'nei Israel. So Moshe continues. Hashem continues to Moshe, speak to Bnei Israel, you should tell them, when you arrive in the land, when you arrive in the land of Israel, the land will also need a day of rest. For six days, you should plow and work your land. And for six years, you should prune your vineyards. You should gather in everything it produces. But in the seventh year, the land should have a day of rest. You cannot harvest your fields. You cannot prune your vineyards. You cannot take anything from your fields. You cannot cut, you cannot harvest. This should be a complete period of rest for the land. You can take what you need to eat from the field. Your land, though, is totally open to everybody. Just as you are able to take what you need from the field, anyone 
can take what they need from the field as well. You cannot work your field in any way. It is as if this land does not belong to you. And then we are told in later, a few psukim later in Sefer Vayikra as well, V'asitem achukotai v'etmeshbatai tishmeru, V'asitem otam v'yashavtem al ha'aret If you keep these rules and commandments, you will live in the land in peace. The land regularly will produce its fruit and you will eat to your fill. And you will be able to leave, live peacefully in the land. If you say, what are we going to eat in the seventh year if we don't prune and we don't prepare and we don't work the land? How are we possibly going to survive in the seventh year? What are we going to eat? Hashem says, I will bless you in the sixth year. I will make it that you have enough grain for three years. So the concern that the farmer may have is not only in the seventh year, but rather in the eighth year as well. Because if you are not planting, if you're planting in the sixth year and preparing, you will then have what to harvest in the seventh year. But if you don't harvest in the seventh year and you don't work the land and plant anew in the seventh year, you may not have in the set, you probably will have for at least the beginning of the seventh year because you planted in the sixth year. But the eighth year is also going to be a problem. So Hashem says, if you keep this Shemitah, I promise you that that sixth year will be blessed. The seventh year will be blessed. The eighth year will be blessed. You will have enough crop from the sixth year that will last you through the eighth year. So these are the rewards for keeping Shemitah. Hashem validates the fact that we will be worried about what we are going to eat. It brings up the question in the Pasuk of the Im Tomru, if you would say, expressing and acknowledging the fact that this is a worrisome idea. We're expressing it in beautiful language of Shabbat Shabbaton Yela Aretz. There is going to be this rest. There is going to be this fallow period this period of Shabbat Ta'aretz, it's going to be this beautiful idea. But Hashem is validating already here within the Psukim that there is going to be this level of doubt, that this is something that is going to be a challenge for the farmers, that they are going to have to accept that Hashem is going to watch over them in order to be able to engage in this mitzvah. But this question that we asked makes us question, what is the point of Shemitah? If Hashem knows that it is not going to be this beautiful, restful period of us living with Hashem, and there are the Mepharshim who say that there was a special kolal hashvius, that all of the farmers laid down their farm tools and went to learn Torah together, and this beautiful, idyllic state of the entire land laying fallow, the poor coming to eat, everyone is taken care of, everyone is just one with God during this year. But what is the real point of Shemitah? If Hashem brings up already in the Pasuk that this is going to be a year that is going to be laden with fear, that is going to be nerve-wracking for farmers as they enter into the year, 
and maybe more troubling to many involved than it is restful and peaceful. The Kavachayim on that Pasuk asks, um, asks why the Torah had to mention here that Hashem is giving us the land. Why does it have to say, that I have given to you? And the Torah, and this is the beginning of us recognizing our answer to our broader question, but our smaller question here at first, which is, the Kavachayim is pointing out that Hashem is saying, when you come to the land that I have given you, this is the basis of being able to enter into a Shemitah year in the proper way. That you are recognizing that every single day when that farmer goes to work, that farmer is doing everything they can, everything that is within their power to make the land grow. But in the end of the day, planting and growing, the fact that you put a tiny seed into the ground and it germinates and lets out small roots and begins to grow downwards and upwards, establishing this base while also growing into a stalk or a tree or a bush or a plant is completely miraculous. If I were to take an M&M, which could be the same shape as any seed, and put it in the ground, nothing will happen. Because Hashem has, Hashem has to be there. I mean, Hashem could make it grow. But what Hashem has laid out for us is a process in which we are involved, but Hashem is truly creating something miraculous. That the idea of planting is a miracle. That we are able to work the land, dig dirt, put a tiny thing into it, and all of a sudden we have a plant, we have an entire crop, we are able to feed and nurture the world from these small seeds is a miracle. So the Kavachayim is telling us, Hashem says, This is the land that I have given to you. That I am the same creator that gave you this land miraculously. There's no reason that you should have this land. I gave you this land. I will also miraculously take care of you during that seventh year. That he's saying, this is the land that I gave you. I am completely in charge of this land. So though you may question, you must recognize that above all, this is Ha'aretz Asherani Natati Lachem. This is the land that I have given you. There is no such thing as can't and won't in the eyes of God. And therefore, just as I miraculously gave you this land, and I miraculously caused things to grow at every moment, I will continue to do so during the seventh year. Though it seems impossible, it seems like the agriculture of it just doesn't make sense. I am a miraculous God, and therefore I am going to provide for you. And this seems to be the first point that goes to answer our question in the Gemara. Our question in the Gemara was, why is Emunah correlated with Zrayim? with planting, something so mundane. And what we realize when we look at Shemitah is because we are focusing so much on planting and the farmers during this year that seems to have so much significance, helps us to understand with Hashem bringing up this hesitation, Hashem is pointing towards the core 
aspect of Shemitah, which is working and trusting in our Amuna. Now, when it says, Nasatav and Atatavayamuna, have you dealt with your Amuna? Have you thought about and grappled with Amuna? It's possible that before the Shemitah year, you may have had one answer. But Hashem is saying, we are entering into an Amuna boot camp. We are about to enter into a time where you are truly going to grapple and think about your Amuna. And that is going to be the Shemitah year. And he says, I'm going to choose specifically Zra'im because Zra'im is something that we think is so mundane. We think we plant a seed. If there's sunlight and soil and I water it, what I plan on happening is going to happen. But Hashem says, during the seventh year, I am going to pull the rug out from under that idea. I am going to say, do not plant. Do not till the land. Do not water. Do not harvest. Do not cut. Do not prune. And yet, during that seventh year, and even the following year, you are going to have food to eat. I am going to show you that this practice of farming is all a matter of emuna and not a practice of agriculture. Taking this year off during Shemitah is meant to give us that pause, that it is possible to go through life and think that things are coming naturally. And please, God, we daven that we do not have many of these instances in life that give us that pause for negative reasons, that we don't have to stop and question our health or our family, things that we take for granted, we should be able to continue to appreciate in the same way. But Hashem says it is important to stop and recognize that the things that I give to you are miraculous. That Shemitah is a Muna boot camp. This is the time for us to step back and say, the Heshtadlas, the actions that I put in, while they are important for the six years, Hashem does not say, you don't ever have to do anything. Hashem says, for for seven years, you should prune, you should work your land. And in the seventh year alone, you should stop and you should pause. And you should take that moment to really think about, is there a Muna involved in what I'm doing every day? And I think that this is an extremely relevant message that we are going to pull out of the next few Mepharshim that are not only relevant to those farmers who are engaging in the Shemitah year in the most literal way, but to all of us who are experiencing the Shemitah year, even if we are far away. These are ideas that we can take and apply to our own Amuna. The Sefer Achinuch, in discussing what the purpose of the Shemitah year says, The Sefer Achinuch, who gives us possible explanations for the reasons behind mitzvot, says to us the source of the root of the mitzvah of Shemitah, Hashem wanted to tell and show to Am Yisrael that everything belongs to him. And that everything in the end of the day returns to its original owner. Now, this is the Sefer HaChinuch addressing not only the Shemitah year, but also the Yovel year. That in the Shemitah year, we, we thought that we own this field. 
We thought that we are the Balabayas here. But Hashem is reminding us and saying, Hakol Shalom, everything belongs to me. This is my land. Just as you are able to take exactly what you need from this land during the Shemitah year, so too can anyone else. And to an extreme in the Yovel year, the year of Jubilee, which is every seven Shemitah years, in the 50th year, we have a Yovel year. During the Yovel year, all loans, all land, all property returns to its original owners. We have this in a smaller scale during the regular Shemitah year in which we have Shemitah Safim, that money also, there's an aspect of loans returning and much more complicated. And today we have documents that you sign that everyone's loans aren't canceled. But the basis of this is that the Sefer Achinach is telling us that one of the primary lessons to take from the Shemitah year is Lahudia la'amo kiakol shalav to remind us that everything belongs to Hashem. And this can feel a little bit negative. Like what, Hashem's trying to show us like that we think we have anything and we really don't? Rather, Hashem is trying to remind us and give us the peace of mind that sometimes we think that everything that happens in our life is reliant on what we do or do not do. That if only I would have studied more for the test, and if only I would have gone to that college and done that internship, then I would be a millionaire today because I would have gotten the better job and I would have been more successful. But what the Sefer Achinuch is reminding us is not in a negative sense, like Hashem is trying to show us who's boss. So Hashem is in charge. Rather, Hashem is trying to remind us that it's all up to him. That yes, we decide the direction, we make choices in our lives, but we do believe that Hashem has a plan and what Hashem plans is what's ultimately going to happen to us. That if we are meant to have a certain level of parnasa, we are going to get that level of parnasa. That Hashem is going to do what is best for us, even if we don't recognize God's rule in it. We think that it's all up to us, but Hashem is reminding us that all of this is truly in his hands. We have to put in our hishadlus. We have to do something. We have to put in our actions. That's why, again, six years we work the field. But in the seventh year, we recognize that what we are meant to have, we will have. It's all from Hashem. I was speaking to someone recently who is a stay-at-home mom, and she was dis- she was saying how, first of all, it's one of the hardest jobs in the world, which I think many people will acknowledge that there are challenges to everything, but stay-at-home mom is definitely not a walk in the park. And she said when her husband was learning full-time, she worked four jobs. She, was, she would take any offer that came her way when her husband was learning to work full-time. But once her husband went to work, they had a discussion as a couple and they said, Hashem decides what parnasa we are meant to have. And it's going to come to us through the channel that it is meant to come to us. So now that her husband was going to work and they had Baruch Hashem, a large family, they decided, they said, okay, I am going to stay home and I am going to do this job. Well, my husband is going to go out and he will be that conduit for the parnasa that the wife had been until this point. 
So it's very much saying that whatever we are meant to have, we do everything we can. We don't sit back and say, no one's going to work. We're all just going to relax all day. We do what is reasonable, what makes sense, what we feel is our proper hishtadlis, and then Hashem fills in the rest. And it is with Shemitah that Hashem is reminding us of his role in this entire equation. Shemitah is not just about Hashem finally providing for us miraculously during the seventh year. It is meant to remind us that it is throughout everything that Hashem is there providing for us. I felt a little blasphemous, including the next source on the Makoro sheet, but you'll forgive me. Blake Shelton has a song, who is a country singer. Mary Brand says this often, that there's a lot of Torah found in country music. Blake Shelton, in his song, God's Country, it's a very, if you listen to it, it's a very thought-provoking song. Blake Shelton, in the second stanza, says, right outside of this one church town, There is a gold dirt road to a whole lot of nothing. Got a deed to the land, but it ain't my ground. This is God's country. He is emphasizing the point that the Sefer Hachinuch makes. That in the end of the day, we may have the deed to the land. We may have built it up. We may think that we have produced everything. But at the end of the day, this is God's country. And therefore, in the seventh year, Hashem is telling us, pause and remember this, that everything truly belongs to me. The Abarbanel makes an interesting comparison between the Shemitah year and Bria Ta'ulam and the Yovel year and Matan Torah. And he builds up based on the numbers that every seventh year we have a Shemitah year, just like we have six days of creation and the seventh day was Shabbos. And with Yovel, we had um, 49 days until Matan Torah. And then we had the episode of Matan Torah. But the part that I want to focus on for one moment is the fact that the Abarbanel does compare or connect the idea of Shemitah to Bries HaOlam. That he says the whole idea of Shemitah is meant to remind us of this creation process. That on the sixth Six days of creation, Hashem created everything tangible that we see in this world. That Hashem created man and animals and light and dark and water and sky and everything was created during these six days of creation. And then while we say that on the seventh year, Hashem rested, we also, when we delve into it deeper, talk about the fact that Hashem created rest on the seventh day and created the day of Shabbos. That even in the fact that Hashem was resting, something new was created in this idea of Shabbos, of being able to rest. And I think that this same idea can be connected to the Shemitah year. That in the seven, six days of creation, we are working and we are doing, and everything is about new and innovating and everything that we can actively do. But this idea that on the seventh day, we are meant to remember Shabbos and everything that that implies, our day of rest, we are meant to apply to this day of rest for the land, is because this is also creating something new. This is creating a new environment. This is creating a new thought process, a new way to approach our lives. That we cannot just go through life with the six days of creation mentality. 
Without that seventh day, we would be lacking something in the entirety of our existence. We would be lacking this idea of pause, of taking a step back, of recognizing what has happened over the past six days. As Hashem says, it was at that point that Hashem looked back and saw that everything was good. I think the seventh year, the Shemitah year, is our time to pause and to recognize that in doing so, in spending the seventh year in the Amuna boot camp, we are building something as well. We are not working actively in the way that we are the previous six years, but it is during this seventh year that we are able to truly concretize everything that we have done during the past six years if we approach it in the proper way. That it is not that we say that Shemitah is Emuna. We said that Zra'im teaches us about Emuna. Because it is this entire cyclical process that contributes to the full picture of Emuna, of having to contribute to our Hashalas while recognizing that Hashem is totally running the picture. Roshim Jorafal Hirsch, just to add one more aspect to this idea of Shemitah really being our basis for Amuna. Rav Hirsch has a beautiful commentary on Parshas Behar in which he talks about farmers in general and the actions of farming. And he says that the ultimate goal of the Shemitah is a most wonderful year-long act of homage performed by the whole nation where every field and orchard, every garden and meadow, every fruit, every blade of grass is made to proclaim that God and God alone is the Lord and owner of the land. We are stripped of all haughtiness and pride of possession, retire before God in complete equality and equal rights with the poorest inhabitant and the animals of the wild. Even more succinctly, the goals of achieving humility and understanding of those who have less than us can be achieved during Shemitah by contemplating what is happening in the land and transferring it directly to our heart and soul. Rav Hirsch says that when we approach the Shemitah year, we are taking that step back, not only in terms of how we relate to Hashem, but it is putting us in the proper perspective of who we are in the relation to everyone else, and in turn, how we relate to God. That in order to be able to truly be subservient to Hashem, we cannot have that level of haughtiness. We cannot have a pride in what we have, because then it is impossible to truly recognize and admit that it all comes from Hashem. This idea is brought up in Sefer Devarim. Then in Sefer Devarim, it says, Ki Hashem in Sefer Devarim, it says, Hashem will bring you to this beautiful land with Nachale Mayim, and it is a land of the seven species, barley and wheat, of grapes and dates and pomegranates, a land of olives and um, and date honey. You will 
stop and you will thank Hashem your God. This is the source for Birkat Hamazon, that after we come to the land and we have everything we need, um, and we don't have to fight for our food, we will say that you should eat and you should be satisfied and you should bless Hashem Elokecha for all of the good that he has given you. It is possible in this moment when you have settled in the land, you have gotten past everything you need to do to conquer the land. You have settled and you have everything you need and you eat and you are satisfied. You can very easily slip into the, this mentality of that it is by my force, it is by my abilities that I have accomplished everything I have here. And it is in this moment that Sefer Devarim reminds us and says that it is in this exact moment when you have eaten and you are satisfied and you feel completely contented in the land that Hashem has given you all of the ability in order to accomplish everything you are doing. So this goes right along with everything we have said until now. Without, when you have specifically this agricultural success, something that you put in your hard blood, sweat, and tears, your physical labor, and you see literally the fruits of your actions, it is very easy to take God out of the picture. But it says, um, You have to recognize that behind all of this, underneath all of this, is Hashem. And Hashem is the one that provides Hashem is the one that takes care of us. And without God, none of this success would have happened. To make one final point, when you get, when we, when we discuss Bikurim, and I'm sorry, I misquoted on the source sheet here. It is not from Sefer Barishas, It is from Sefer Devarim. In Parakhavav, Vatahine Haviti at Rishit Prihadama Sharnatatali Hashem Vinachato Lifne Hashem El Kacha. It is talking about when we arrive in Eretz Yisrael, one of the other mitzvot hatsuyos ba'aretz is bikurim, that we bring our first fruits, we designate them for God, and we bring them up to the Beis HaMikdash. And it is hard to imagine, but the, there are descriptions of the parades, the grandeur that used to accompany this process of bringing the Bikurim, that they used to decorate the fruits. And everyone would come out into the streets and there would be trumpets and there would be music and there would be singing and clapping. And everyone would be welcoming these farmers to come present their first fruits. And it says here, And you should be happy with all of the good, why does it have to remind us here? This sounds like such a celebration. We finally have our first fruits. We are coming up. We are celebrating with all the other farmers in this grand parade. And it is here that the Pasuk has to remind us, that you should be happy and excited about all the good that Hashem has given to you. And I think the point that we can pull out from here is, while this was a grand parade, everyone was excited. Many of those farmers were probably coming up to the Beis HaMikdash with a few scrawny, scraggly apples and maybe a few grapes. Your first crop is not always your best crop. Sometimes it's those few measly fruits that the tree was able to eke out in that first year. 
but they too are included in this celebration, in this parade. And the Pazak reminds them, Perhaps when you entered into this farming career, you thought it would all be one big you-pick farm. That you would show up at a beautifully farmed field and everything there would be trees after trees filled with fruits, everything you could need. But you have put in the effort, you have approached this with the right mentality. And now you have to recognize a large component of emuna is not just turning to Hashem and asking for his help and recognizing that it all comes from him, but it is even at the end, looking at what has been produced and saying, this too is from Hashem. That when it comes to the farmers, it is not just the fact that they don't enter into the field in Shemitah, acknowledging that even when they do enter into the field, there is something miraculous there. That is one part of the Amuna saying that everything comes from God, whether I go to the field or I don't go to the field. And if I don't go to the field during Shemitah, I know that's the proper thing to do. But rather, it's looking back at the end of the year. It's when you're entering into that eighth year and you say, wow, this was a really monetarily difficult year. We struggled to pay our bills. We didn't have everything we needed. But we look back and we say, The second component of the Amuna is saying that everything in our lives, the way it turns out, is the way that it was meant to turn out. And acknowledging the good in everything that Hashem has given us. So I believe in our lives, these lessons that we can take from Shemitah are not just lessons that are for farmers or for those living in Eretz Yisrael. Rather, so to us here in America, though we may be going to work every day in the same way that we went to work every day last year, this year is different. This year is still our spiritual Amuna boot camp. It is recognizing that someone in the world is doing the physical model of what all of us are doing internally and mentally, which is this is a year, if we focus on it, that will serve as that opportunity to remind us that hakol bideshamayim, everything is in the hands of God. Hakol shalom, everything belongs to God. What we have will come to us because Hashem is taking care of us. And that we must reflect on what we do have. And though it may not have met our expectations, our current expectations, what we are hoping for, what we are dreaming of, Hashem has given us so much good. And I believe in Hashem, if we internalize these messages of Emunah, and we are able to use this year to strengthen these concepts and to say, how do I feel that connection to God? How do I feel that presence in my everyday life? How do I find it in myself to rejoice in the good that God has given me, even when I see challenge or hardship? If we take this year, then Hashem says, all of the work that you have put in will carry you, not just for this year, but will carry you on into the future. That it is not just about crops. It is about building ourselves during this year to carry on into the rest of our lives. So Amir Tashem, may we be able to see God in our lives. And we should be able to reflect and appreciate the good and feel the presence in our lives always. Sorry about the slightly disjointed nature.